Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? All right, what would they like to hear? I'll something do different. Now, okay. Is there anything special that you would like to hear us do? Baseball. Any, oh, uh, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah. yeah. I want to introduce my co-host. She's going to be my co-host all the time. This is brand new. When you're listening in on every Sunday morning, Lauren Creedon. How are you, Lauren? I'm doing well. How are you, Vinny? You know, she can get away with calling me Vinny. The rest of you listeners do not call me Vinny. Just Lauren can call me Vinny. Uh, <laughs> Lauren has worked on the founding team or ground floor of three sports startups. She has studied the intersection of sports, media, and tech. And some fun, interesting little facts about her which this is quite interesting. I'm serious. She's a former artist and baseball player, and she wrote her college thesis at Harvard, mind you. Harvard. Her college thesis was written on the baseball card industry. Preach, sister. Preach. I What's know going a lot on? of 45-year-old men on? who are jealous of my thesis research right now. <laughs> um, I'm kind of jealous of your research. I still need I – need, I have to go back and check out my, you know, my baseball card collection, but it's probably not as, as – a great as your research anyway my and i research, would love to read that someday maybe. i would yeah i would love to share it with you my research took me as you know from baseball card collectors showcases um with you know 50 to 60 year old men showing their old gouty bubblegum cards all the way to the metropolitan museum of art which holds the largest baseball collection in the world and i got to go back into their archives with a, a little old man to show me the way and look at you know, the Honus Wagner card. Um, it was very, very cool. But I looked at baseball card, the baseball card industry as it evolved from the 1930s all the way to the 1980s, kind of when the bubble burst and observed it from a historical perspective, read the cards as literature, looked at the artwork and, and text on the cards, what that said about the American culture at the time, uh, how it reflected the legal and economic battles that were going on in the Players Association battles with the uh major league baseball and it was amazing it was a very cool topic it sounds very interesting and for those of you that want to see that is it do we can we link it digitally for everybody what's the, the what's the hand motion by the way <laughs> i um uh, i, I want to know can we that. link this digitally i All have right. to look into that so let me try at some point if she makes it to ep if she makes it <laughs> to the second episode because she may just want to strangle me and never do this again if she makes it to the episode two we'll find a way to link her thesis and for all of you that want to read it we will expect reports, though, back. That's that's the catch. It's very we want it's, them to it's like, a fun read. Yeah. I describe at the beginning right. of the thesis, I describe how my dad made me take a quiz on baseball before I was allowed to go to my first baseball game. That's how serious my family took baseball. <laughs> Lauren resides in Boston. We are both New Englanders. I am in Connecticut. She is in Boston, which is Massachusetts, right? I named a state and I took okay, a city, right? Anyway, uh, Laura... That's awesome. I am excited for this. And so we're going to start off with our first segment called Hot Take. Hot Take. Um, hot take. I love it. Oh, hot, 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 hot. Hot, 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 hot. Right. So <laughs> I'm first, right? That's that's the point of this whole podcast. So I'm first. So I'm going to give you a hot take. On hot take based on the past week in sports media news. So my hot take today is that all of you listening right now, if you don't already, within the next two years, you will – be asked to have or will authentically have an allegiance to an international soccer team. Um, and, Ooh. you know, right? So I, I wanted to take a spin on a recent news item that the Premier League, 
had a brand shift. Um, and I think it reflects what they believe to be a growing global audience. Um, that brand shift is they've moved away from the 15 year title sponsorship they had with Barclays, what I often slip up still in the last few days and call it the Barclays Premier League. Um, however, they are shifting to just a branding around Premier League. This is meant to attract a more global audience to tell a brand story. They're going to have seven league sponsors that will fit in with their brand story and the brand will be consistent across broadcast, digital, social globally. So I think it's a really interesting move. And I think that all of you listening to this, if you don't already know much about the Premier League, La Liga, some of the main leagues internationally in Europe, you all will have an allegiance to one of the top teams there and will be able to tell me more about the Premier League. I know that it's a very interesting league structure. The US market will, you all will have allegiances to a Premier League team. I'm not going to tell you what mine is, though, because I think I'm going to turn away some some fans it's a very very well that's the point so you so you might as well just tell us well, right so, now so if it's arsenal i'm no, turning you off no it's funny because i've had i've had personal connections to to liverpool to tottenham hotspur and i i wavered back and forth but it was a that's brand fair. story that really got me involved with manchester united so uh the the story of that brand the history of the brand what it means what their team means to the region of Manchester, the whole, I, there's, there's a huge brand story there and we should take another episode to tell it. We will, we will for sure. Okay. My hot take for the day is that if you are not already, and for those listening on the podcast, most of you that are marketers may already be using Snapchat. If you are not using Snapchat already by Super Bowl 51, you will be on Snapchat. You will be creating content and you will be wanting to advertise. And the reason why I bring that up is because the news, it's not even news really. This was what the Super Bowl uh, live story did for some brands. Marriott, Budweiser, Pepsi, and Amazon were all Snapchat Super Bowl live story sponsors this year. Why is that huge? Because we didn't see any references to in commercials to Snapchat. Uh, and I talked about this on the podcast earlier this week. We saw some Twitter references. We saw some hashtags. We saw some Facebook references. But we did not see any Snapchat references. And this story completely went under my radar. Or this this headline went under my radar until Lauren kind of, you know, she is the smart one here. So she's kind of slipped it to me and said, hey, heads up. You might want to throw this out there. And I did. So this is it. Video ads from these sponsors ran live during the story of the game. There was a specific Super Bowl story. So I promise you, if you're not already using Snapchat as a mainstream medium, you will be by Super Bowl 51. That's my You're giving take. them a whole year? That's pretty, you're giving them a lot of leeway there. Well, you have to remember though, there's still a lot of people that think it's for children. Mm. So we're battling with a lot of individuals and there's a lot of brands that still don't accept it. And I don't, and not even just brands, People, I'm talking about everybody, not just marketers. I'm talking about people that are listening to this podcast. It's going to take them a year, but it, it's not even a year. So it's like 50 weeks now. Uh, at the end well, of this podcast, we're going to do our shout out section, and I'm going to give a shout out to another brand in sports that's really doing Snapchat right. So listen till the end. Listen to Lauren. She knows what she's talking about. All right, now it's time for our main event. Vinny and 
and I went back and forth on this and we really wanted to have our our podcast have a few different distinct sections where we got to call out some shout outs to our favorite brands, give some hot takes, but also focus on a couple themes for the week while hitting as many stories as possible. So for those of you who will subscribe to this, you can expect the following structure. At the beginning of every cast, we will each have a hot take. And of course, I go first. She's on first, right? Um, And then we will have the main event. We'll have about two themes for the week. For any of you who don't know the Abbott and Costello skit, then you better go look it up because that's what we're drawing on for the title. So anyway, then after our our hot takes, we're going to have a longer conversation about two main event topics, and then we're going to end with some shout outs to shout out some of our favorite women in sports, which I will focus on, and some teams and leagues and brands that are doing digital and sports well. This story is very close to my heart, very close to the hearts of a lot of us on on this podcast. The NFL has just announced that they will be lifting their ban on live streaming platforms for their clubs. This does not mean they will be lifting their control on what these clubs do. Uh, However, they will now be allowed to use Periscope and Meerkat, or the platforms that were named, to show um, behind-the-scenes footage, training camp drills, weightlifting, chalk talks. Um, There's a couple of themes I want to hit on here, including rights deals, bringing fans closer to the game, and um, brands recognizing the shift from being regional to being global. I, you know, that news, which by the way, that news was broke to us by a listener or viewer of this podcast, Kathy Hackle. She had posted it on to my Facebook and she's like, this would be really interesting. And then of course I instantly tagged Lauren. I said, we need to talk about this immediately. This is a huge topic. Um, Here's the thing. I think it's huge. I, I, and I know you had some insight as to actually. Why don't you tell your story that you told me yesterday about you predicting this? Sure. As early, like just earlier in the season, so before I go into anything. What I'd like to, to, I'd like to use this segment to tell you a little bit about how I spent the last year and how I became um, involved in the sports and live streaming space. I worked at an app called FanCred, worked on a team of 11. We launched the first live streaming app for sports fans. That's how I got involved with the Periscope community because as the director of partnerships at FanCred, I was directing partnerships with um, we, we launched our first NFL partnership with the Carolina Panthers. We launched partnerships with media companies like Mashable and the Boston Globe, with individual content creators and, and fantasy sites. We were um, we are a, a social community, kind of like Twitter, for fans to chat sports, post their sports memories. We called it your fan profile. On my fan profile, that's where you would have been able to tell that I was a Man United fan. I have an album for Man United, for my Patriots, for the Red Sox. NASCAR, which I became a fan of um, after working in sports for a few years. And um, so I worked very closely with the Carolina Panthers. And as we launched live streaming, I was very much in tune with trying to get them to live stream behind the scenes, getting to getting them to use the feature. And I was I was hit every time with with my conversations with them as a partner and with other brands in the space that I talked to very closely at, at the NFL league level and at the NFL club level about live, the live streaming policy that the NFL had. I mean, the NFL, it took them five years to put out their, their new social media policy, I believe. And they just released in 2015, their 2015 new social media policy. And part of that policy was no clubs are allowed to be on any live streaming platforms. And I was talking to them there. They were, they were, 
these these cable rights deals are so big they need to protect their revenue stream until they really figure out a solid way to monetize so they were clubs are limited on how much video they can share on social how many how many number of videos the length of those videos on each platform so and then there was a staunch rule that no live streaming now that that is lifted um it it holds true to something i was predicting when i was even talking to the panthers the saints uh, my contacts at raiders 49ers that the league would have to shift that policy very quickly because we're not talking years anymore. We're not talking take five years to put out a new social media policy. By the off season, um, they have allowed live streaming because they know that, first of all, this is a time when there's less to worry about when it comes to rights deals and there's less game footage to worry about. But there is a global audience who want to get closer to these teams. The Panthers is a perfect example of a team through, I I saw this through my partnership with them, through their their rise to Super Bowl fame this season. They are a team that is very tuned into a global audience. They have really, they've hooked on a Hispanic audience with the the attention they've given to their announcers. They've they've really done social well. great contact of mine, Dan Lauderaca, friend first. He is leading their digital and social strategy. And they've they've really, you could tell as soon as they joined FanCred, they brought a captive audience with them because they've leveraged social well. And this this is a global fan base. So the NFL is making moves using the offseason to connect with behind the scenes footage, bring fans closer to the game. And it's a huge move to see them shift that policy so quickly and move that fast. So in the in the article, in, in the, the little uh, press, I don't even know if it was, it was actually, this was on the Patriots.com news, and this was just released yesterday. So uh, what yeah. I found is interesting is that the NFL is, like, is still evaluating the two streaming apps, as in like Periscope and Meerkat, according mm-hmm. to the article earlier on, which I think is, I'm shocked we're still talking about that. But, it, and here's and here's what it says right here. Because Periscope and Meerkat can be effective marketing tools that can be used to generate off-the-field footage that complements game telecasts rather than weakening their value, hence the move from a ban to a limited approach. So tell us more about the limited approach. What, do you, what are your predictions on this limited approach? Where, what are we likely to see in this limited access? We obviously won't see game footage, for sure. Like That's not going to happen. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it... it... Even Kayvon Big uses this example, the, the the frame of reference of augmenting content and and creating auxiliary content to fuel the story. Any sports league considers the main content that they're investing in and producing is the game on the field, on the court, in the ballpark, um, in the ring. That is on the back of every ticket. You'll see there's fine print that fans themselves, anyone who enters that arena. Uh, they're not able to broadcast or use the footage. So legally, they have they have had this model about how to create content that they're going to create revenue off of and monetize. Now, with the rise of mobile devices, with the rise of um, 4G coverage uh, that is allowing video streaming from almost any fan in, in the arena, they have to take this approach of looking at content differently. Their main piece of content are these broadcasts. It is high quality. You, you won't go to somewhere other than cable to watch the game. You will go to other channels. You'll have second screens open. You'll have a, a live stream open. You'll have Twitter open and you get secondary content. So how will, how will teams use live streaming? I mean, you, you asked me about sidelines, not game footage, but perhaps sidelines. Um, I think I think you can you can differentiate first. There's non game days versus game days. There's there's on the field in that uh, arena versus um, outside of it. So I think that there's so many elements of the game that fans want to get closer to. They want to see interviews with players. They want to see 
uh, media interviews. They want to see, I know the Bruins do cover all their media interviews with players after the game. Um, you want to see what these players do in their spare time. You want to see tours of this, the facilities. You want to see interviews with people who work there. The Players' Tribune has done interviews with concessions managers that have worked at Yankee Stadium for 20 years. So I think the stories that surround the team, this is a channel to tell those stories, and it doesn't have to be their number one source of revenue, that game, that contest uh, that's being broadcast. I, I think, and, and you know, again, we're talking about the NFL, but this goes into all sports anyway. You know, NHL banned anybody from from broadcasting, right? Like there's no possible. And, and in fact, wasn't there a media member or somebody that was stripped of their credentials for trying to periscope the Masters, right? So we've That's seen true. a lot of this crazy stuff happening. But when, you know, when will all the leagues open up and say, you know what, we need to open, we need to allow this, we need to allow this second, third, fourth screen experience. I also found it interesting that Major League Baseball likely sees no concern because the games are too long. I so really, like, yeah, we don't care. Well, no one's going to sit there and watch a four-hour game. It's um, that, and they fun. also, from from um, Bob Bowman down, they have, BAM, Major League Baseball Advanced Media has always had a really innovative approach to how they think about digital content. Um, they, they created Major League Baseball Advanced Media in, I want to say, 2000 to have a separate revenue stream for all digital content. That was the dot-com era. That me, That is... A, evolved to mean all of social and mobile. So I think one thing I'll point out about BAM and how they're leading the way is they express from the very beginning, we don't care about fans coming in and streaming this. We actually think of it as a benefit to our brand, that there are more social mentions, that there are more, there's more of a community being built. And we know that our number one um, broadcast will will always be the highest quality, but these second screen experiences are going to be important too. They want to reach a younger fan base, you know. MLB that's really important too. And and the other thing to just mention here, as we're thinking about this, I mean, these are smart business people who run these organizations. They have billions of dollars at stake in these cable rights deals, and um, they have goals. Roger Goodell has cited that his goal is to make twenty five billion in revenue by twenty twenty seven. So, you know. They need to create new He's revenue channels, well and they and the, yeah, and and I think that another one of those is to to. I, I know a friend of mine was an international business media business development manager at um, or director at the NFL, and he he. he traveled the world to explore new markets to bring NFL content to. So one of the ways to make the NFL more popular in overseas markets is going to be embracing global channels like Periscope. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the the marketer side of me wants to say, like, well, they're dumb for not doing this, right? They're dumb for not just allowing it and opening it. But we have to remember NFL wants to protect the shield. And and that's the big thing, right? And if we hear that all the time, protect the shield, protect the shield, protect the shield. And, and as a brand or thinking brand first i completely understand that so will we see it open up fully probably never and i don't blame them but i i love the points you made where i want to watch the game on a high i, I want to watch it in the best quality i don't i don't i wouldn't want to sit here and watch it on this screen anyway so this is better suited for that uh, uh well, auxiliary are, are- footage yeah, better suited for auxiliary footage, but at the same time, um, there are ways that leagues are innovating how to stream their game content too. The NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, is has streamed their games on YouTube, um, so they want to reach a global audience that way. There are ways to monetize channels like that, so I think there's going to be a lot of innovation in this space. It's going to move very fast. Um, I think it was smart for them to choose the off-season as a time to lift that ban and say, go explore, keep people 
keep fans engaged over the offseason, keep giving them content. These players work around the clock, um, even in the offseason. And um, the these brands are still doing cool things. I mean, you people want to tune in to just see what the, the marketing department is like at these teams. Like there's so much content that fans will eat up and it doesn't have to I'll just be games, game footage. I mean, le- sports leagues are, are expert at this. They only have the NFL only has 16 games um, for game footage, but they have all these auxiliary ways to make revenue off of the fan passion. So well, um, take a look at, take a look at hard knocks, right? Hard knocks is a huge success by HBO. People want to see that behind that raw behind the scene or seemingly raw behind the scenes footage, right? They want to see that. Uh, and I think, I think the NFL would do well in allowing, Hey, go and, like Periscope, that kind of stuff or live stream, that kind of stuff, take it away from HBO, but I'm sure they make money there. Here's my other last, last thought on this before we move on to our next, um, main event topic. What about the cord cutter generation, right? People are cutting the cord. Are these cable rights deals as valuable as they were before? Is that why the NFL is opening up? Or do you think that has anything to do with the NFL opening up and saying, Hey, you know what? Less and less people are buying cable, less and less people, you know, here's, and then this is, I'm going to take another shot at this. And I know that this has to do with our next topic. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to kind of mix the two. There's less and less the, – the newer generation is probably less interested in football, let's just say, than past generations. You know, I was telling you the story of my father, how I became a Steelers fan. My father came over to this country from Italy, and the Steelers were on TV, and football was, I mean, king. Football was king, and it's become king, right, through the 80s, 90s, and even now. But as generations you – know, as we get younger and younger, are they still interested in football? And I know our next main event topic has to do with that. But so my question to you is will – the cable cutter generation make an impact in how the NFL and other sports leagues broadcast their content. 100%. Question, question mark. Uh-huh. 100%. Um, I, I myself just cut down on my cable package and, and the media giants know this and they are, I, I'll, I'll go back to MLB again to say that they're really innovating in this space. They knew um, they w- were one of the first, um, media entities to stream all of their games online with the packages that they've built with at bat and um, ML so much so that MLB advanced media powers HBO go and the HBO um, cord cutters package that they've distributed to, um, you know, be, be available on iOS MLB advanced media powers their video services, video streaming launch um, because of the experience that they had powering live streaming for their games. So uh, the sports industry, I, I, I want to, at some point in, in our conversations, ha- focus on BAM because they're so fascinating. Um, but yes, the sports industry is innovating in terms of where you'll be able to find their, their games, their content, and um, it's not, cable is, is not going to be around for much longer. There you have it. Uh, main event topic one, Lauren just drops the hammer there. Cable will not be around much longer i don't i, okay. I wouldn't use that as a quotable quote uh, i think we all it's know a it in quote. some form of that but cable as the main quote. driver cable as the main source of sports content Listen, will not be you do around the talking. much longer <laughs> you do the talking i will quote you how does that work <laughs> okay I'll, I'll also pick up some of my best quotes on twitter after this so you can retweet them Ooh, retweetables okay listen lauren sent me this topic that she wanted to talk about and i was like what she says the esports on the rise and i laughed i, I go what the fuck i think is you e-sports? even said what are what is esports 
I looked. I, I'm no kidding. We're, we're we're talking on the phone, and I said she start. She just started going like I expect me, and I'm like Lauren. I have no idea what esports is. You're gonna have to rewind, backtrack for a second, and explain to me what on earth is esports. So we want to talk about the rise of esports, but I want to explain to you, listeners, and I know some people probably know what this is. Apparently, I'm the idiot in the room. Lauren, tell them what what are esports. Well. Let me ask you first, if I were to read you the following stats, tell me what sport you think I'm talking about. There were 112, oh, okay. 112 major events around the world that generated over 20 million in ticket sales, handing out 61 million in prize money. Total revenue from advertising, sponsorships, merchandise, and ticket sales projected to reach 463 million in 2016 and surpass a billion by 2019. What sport am I talking about? Esports and gaming. Do you believe me? Oh, I mean, I believe you because I, you're my co-host and I trust you and I believe you, but <laughs> I, I, if, and you know, I'd be hard pressed. <laughs> I'd be very hard pressed to accept esports as sports. So uh, yeah. I still don't whatever. It's not sports. Get off the damn couch. That's what I You're say. You're too Get old apparently. I mean, you probably have played video games, but there's a generation of gamers of um streaming viewers that consider these this a real game of skill. To use a term from the the FanDuel DraftKings legal battles, this this um this is a game of skill. Video games, um gaming, you have everything from Halo to FIFA um, being streamed. The X Games just featured esports. I watched their coverage. They have esports analysts. They have teams. Um, I mentioned on a, a previous podcast that Red Bull just put out a job description to be a program manager for esports. Um, there are there's a an entire world here. Uh, the streaming platform Twitch was bought by Amazon. This is a world where there are not only individual talent brands being built, there are FIFA players who have millions of subscribers on YouTube. And when I say FIFA players, I mean the, the EA games FIFA. Um, and so there are sponsors who are willing to get their brands in front of the esports audience. Um, there are innovations around micro sponsors. There's a great piece by Ryan Bell on Medium called The Rise of the Micro Sponsor. And um, he's referring to brands who want to connect their, their stories to influencers on platforms like Periscope. Um, that same model applies to live platforms like esports. There are gamers who have amazing brands, who have huge audiences, who love their personality, love their gameplay. These micro sponsors, these brands who, who sponsor those players are brands that want to connect with that audience. And I'd say I'd, I'd take Ryan Bell's title, Rise of the Micro Sponsor, and I'd shift it. And I'd say there, there's actually a rise of the global micro sponsor going on because um, these are brands that can reach not only a particular influencer's audience, but a global audience. This still blows my mind. I for, like blows my mind that this is even we're talking about this. But okay, so I have to accept that esports <laughs> and all of this is a thing, and it happens. Um, well, think about it just as if you're what like what sport did you grow up playing? This is how I'm going to get you to, to realize it. So you're you grew up playing soccer. When you watch Messi own it on the field, are you in awe of him? Of course. So picture you grew Although up. I don't playing think video Messi's games. that good, but that's okay. Okay, cool. Well, so that goes back to our first segment. I, but if you grew up playing, I'm going to finish this analogy here. If you grew up playing video games and you watch uh -huh. a professional gamer play, I, sure. I've, watched, I've watched audiences watch esports before and you hear guys going, oh, sick. 
oh my God, did you just do that? Do you see that? Like when you have played and you watch a professional play, there's that same respect as watching a professional play another supreme game of talent like international mm-hmm. football. And so that's where, that's where, you know, human psychological idolization comes in to make this really like drive this as a sport. I mean, this is a game of skill. Um, there are players who are incredibly good at this, who have built audiences, who have personality and all the same factors at play as athletes of the sports we've known to be today. So 12 year old boys are going to be driving right this industry. <laughs> no, no. Um, and, and, you know, it relates, as you say that, it relates a lot that, to and... like the way that extreme sports, fringe sports, individual player sports went like, UFC, tennis, golf, there, there are a lot of different ways that I would say that this relates to the way that we idolize really sure. individual athletes these days. And I think digital is driving the rise of the individual athlete at, as having their own global fan base. Sure, sure. And, and you know what, as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking to my brother playing his, I don't know, some basketball game on PlayStation last night and I was watching him and he's screaming at it. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Like I haven't heard him scream and he's a diehard football fan i mean we'll watch football from saturday morning till monday night and he i don't think i've heard him scream that much so the, now that i'm thinking about it i'm not totally i'm not totally shifting but i i get where you're coming from and i can understand the culture or the fandom aspect of it where people do idolize and people do put these guys on a, on a pedestal and i and i have seen it it's not that i haven't i just didn't realize we were calling it a sport so uh, yeah. i guess it begs it brings the question up, is it because there's money behind it we're calling it sport? Or is it, you know, like if there wasn't a lot of money behind it, would we be calling this sports? Like if there was those numbers you read out in the beginning, you know, you threw out a billion dollars by 2019, $463 million in 2016, whatever, all those numbers. If I, if those numbers weren't even a quarter of that, would we be saying it's a sport? Were we calling it a sport before the numbers hit that projection? I think it always starts with the fans. And I think that um, brands and money follow when there's real passion behind a fan base and an audience. And I think a sport, um, though I haven't looked it up in the dictionary lately, is um, it really comes down to being a game of a, a competitive game of skill. So that is why there, there are teams that go up against each other. There's competition. There's a, an award at the end. And there's incredible skill that it takes to, to win in that competition. I mean, we, we can disagree, right? That's the whole point of the main event is that one, one of us is going to knock each other out. This is like watching Pacquiao Mayweather right now. We're both sitting here going like this the whole time. You know, we're both <laughs> like dancing around. We're both dancing around. I don't think anyone's going to knock either one out until, well, so, until so, something tremendous happens. But Let me take this chance to talk about another, another channel that makes you go is this a sport um this channel i'm talking about or the the company i'm talking about is whistle sports and they're they they work with talent who have incredible talent who's not always in the in the field of competition but who do um athletic pursuits so I, that's how you can think about sports it's either athletic pursuits or it's competitive games of skill and so um they sponsor talent or not sponsor but they work for talent like Dude Perfect, like Brody Smith. Dude Perfect does trick shots. Brody Smith um, is an amazing Frisbee athlete. And they work with people like that to get them get them in front of a global audience. And so these are athletes who, Brody Smith, a Frisbee athlete, he has a million, 1.3 million subscribers on YouTube, 375,000 Facebook likes, 548,000 followers on Instagram, 
um, 1.7 million Vine followers. Like they know how to create global audiences around um, these amazing athletes and athletes exist in many different fields of, of, you know, physical excellence. Sure. But again, digital audience. Hold on. Um, so yeah. you just said physical excellence. Hold on. You just said physical excellence. So I'm throwing my, I'm going to throw my lead hook right now. You just said physical excellence. Twiddling my thumbs is not physical excellence. In <laughs> fact, rewind this podcast, thumb. rewind this podcast, hit the back 15 or 30 seconds button. And I said, sports are either, um, competitive games of skill <laughs> or uh, athletic pursuits. So there you go. Covered my ass. All right. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cover that. So I will say I, I, I can understand the point. I love playing devil's advocate in every, mm-hmm. every step of the way for the sake of timing. We're going to, we'll touch on this topic again, for sure. I know there's so much here to talk about. Obviously, like we said, just the numbers alone, um, I think we're going to be talking about this for a while to come. And if this comes up again, we'd love to hear. Um, the other thing we want, Lauren and I want from you guys, is that if there's topics that you would love to hear about, please feel free to either tweet at us, email us, um, Snapchat at us, whatever it may be, and let us know. And I, I know those of you that listen to me on the podcast daily know that I always say, reach out to me on Twitter, Vincenzo Landino, or Snapchat, Vincenzo Landino, because I, there's a lot of you that reach out to me on Snapchat, so thank you. But if you have topics that you think you, or you'd like to hear our insight on, our last segment of the show, shout outs. Lauren, yeah, go. shout outs. I'm first. So my first shout out is a breaking piece of news. My uh, first shout out goes to Diana Murphy, who is the 64th president of the USGA. So she happens to be the managing director of Rock Solid Holdings, LLC, a private equity firm. But she has long time been a golf enthusiast and um, on the on the board of the USGA before. So now she is the 64th president of the USGA woman in sports rocking it. Um, and I'll have, you know, she is only, she is actually the second female president of the USGA. There you have it. Um, woman, woman making, making big moves in sports. I, I can't wait to see what, what happens in her tenure. Golf is another great global sport that is focused on a, a global audience uh, from amateur to professional and a lot can be done in that space. So good for her, Diana. My first shout out is going to go to SAP and their NFL partnership with hashtag SB50 disrupt. Lauren and I were both part of the remote team that worked on uh, just showing off digital and technological disruption in sports. This year was the most technically advanced Super Bowl. I think the I think there was I forgot the stat and I actually wish I brought it up because now I feel like an idiot. Um th- there was so much data, and I will actually – I'm going to link it in the show notes, but there's an infographic that I saw, and you probably know which one I'm talking about, Laura, uh, of how much data was transferred throughout this Super Bowl specifically, and it was like – it was off the charts, astronomical. Um, I will link that in, but shout out to SAP for what they did for stepping outside the box and finding a way to create an advertising opportunity for themselves, but also to bring awareness to technology and the disruption without actually saying, this is what we do, buy our shit. Right? Yada, yada, yada. Right. So shout Absolutely. out to that team. Uh, my second shout out goes to 
an amazing rock star in sports and digital who I met at the first Periscope Summit in New York. Um, I met her thanks to our dear friend, Brian Fanzo. Her name is Shonda Maloney, and she leads the social and digital team for UFC. Um, if you are not already following UFC Global on Snapchat, on other channels, you are missing out on some amazing leadership in the social space when it comes to sports content. I think um, every decision maker for a digital and social strategy and budget for everything from the NFL to small regional uh, sports should watch what they're doing on social and digital because they are innovating, they are bringing the fan closer to the to the action and they are converting fans globally. Yeah, UFC is a, that's, I, I love that stuff. I, I'm totally into, and Shonda's great. Shonda's amazing. I've been trying to get her onto the podcast, so maybe we can get her onto this particular show. Interesting. So shout out to Shonda. Her Twitter handle is UFC Shonda. I'd also like to take this opportunity to tell our audience that I am in, I am particularly interested in shouting out women in sports. Um, I would love anyone listening to this uh, to know that they have an opportunity to get their own shout out. If they tweet at me of, over the course of the week, a candidate for every week's shout out to a woman in sports. So every time you've come across a woman in sports, who's sports media, sports business, um, any form of a woman in, woman in sports, I would love to give them a shout out. I'd love to source your ideas. And I will mention you as well. If you give me ideas, you can reach me on Twitter at, at Lauren Creedon. So those are my two shout outs to great women who are rocking it in sports. Time for your last shout out, Benny. I'm going to shout out the Panthers, the, the, Ooh, Char the, Charlotte, yes. the Carolina Panthers. Uh, social media team, not just for the Panthers getting to the Super Bowl because it has nothing to do with that. I and mean, this is a oh, sports no. marketing, media, culture, tech show. But shout out to them for really stepping outside the box. I mean, Lauren kind of stole a little bit of what I wanted to say about them, but um, it's okay because whatever. She smiled and I said, okay. Uh, There's so the much to say about them. The Panthers you, team is they listen here's and i'll say this and then lauren can jump out on that but they really figured out the voice of the fan they created a voice of the carolina panther fan i don't know of any carolina panthers fan that said wow they, we don't talk like that we don't speak like that like that's not us they, they nailed it and not only do they nail it but they talk trash all year classy and we saw some teams try to come. We saw some teams try to come up against them that got completely squashed, like the Washington Redskins. They were fun, engaging. And you know what? Not once did they make it about them. Not once did they make it about, well, here's our team. And I know your buddy Dan and my buddy Yarby, it's a friend of his as well, but he's like, they don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about who's behind it. Nothing. They want to make it about the team. So, Huge shout out to them, and I know you want, you've worked with them, so go ahead and you can say a few words there as well. Sure, yeah, they they joined FanCred after I I met their social and digital team, and um, FanCred they they actually adopted it as a place to test out some of the voice that they wanted to use on some of their other platforms. So testing out phrases like on fleek or different emoji or GIF strategies, and s saw how fans responded to them. They loved the channel, um, and I've. I, I am very impressed and we'll use them and as an example for years to come about the kind of not only authentic, authentic voice that they were able to use, but um, the responsiveness that they almost, they almost, because of the way that they handled social, they almost trained their own fans to be very responsive to them. I, I witnessed it when 
They launched their fan cred profile. They asked fans to join them there. And fans, by training, I mean, they knew what to expect. And I think that I heard, I heard um, so they, they knew what to expect from the Panthers on a social channel that they joined. And um, they held up to those expectations of authenticity, of true engagement, of true one-to-one conversation with their fans. And so I'd like to end on um, a definition of a brand that always sticks with me. A definition of a brand that I heard long ago from one of my former colleagues is that a brand is consistently delivering on a set of expectations. So that is what the the Panthers did. Above all, they consistently deliver on a set of authentic expectations that their fans have for them. This is also the least I've ever talked on an episode of my own podcast. So thank you, Lauren, for saving my voice because I talk six, (laughs) six days a week. And definitely, definitely have done uh, a great job. So thank you for for helping me host the first, the first uh, She's On First episode of the Brand Boost podcast. For anybody that wants to reach out to either Lauren or myself, I am Vincenzo Landino on Twitter. Lauren is Lauren Creedon on Twitter. All these links will be in the show notes. And until tomorrow, ciao. Ciao. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.